Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast. It's CFML News Edition. It's December 20th, 2022, and episode 176. So thanks a lot for joining me, Brad. It is good to be here, Gavin. Yep. No Christmas hats <laughs> for us this week, but don't worry. We got plenty of cheer. <laughs> oh, isn't there like a, a, a Zoom filter we can add just to give us Christmas hats? We probably could, yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll get through it. Me. Well, let's start by thanking our sponsors, Auto Solutions, the makers of Coldbox, Commandbox, Forgebox, Testbox, and all the other boxes out there. You want to tell us how they can say thanks back to Autis? Uh I would, but I still don't have the show notes open. Uh, Google Drive wants me to verify my blood type and my firstborn <laughs> and give it a left arm before it'll let me open the dock. Yeah, it seems to reset every Tuesday morning for me as well. So, but uh, you can. Oh, here we go. I got it open. Uh, so you can like and subscribe to our videos on YouTube, Gavin. Uh, also, you can help Ortis reach for the stars by starring and forking our repositories. Um, you can star all of our GitHub box dependencies from Command Box directly with our Command Box GitHub module. It'll search through your box.json dependencies. And star them automatically, save the trouble. Uh, also, subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast apps and uh, leave us a review. And then, of course, you can sign up for a free or paid account on CFCast, which yep. is releasing new content every week. And we got a lot of content this week, too, we'll tell you about soon. But we can also um, support us by going to the Box Store, which is the Box Life Store on autosolutions.com slash about slash shop. And there's a couple of Autis books. So we always talk about the 102 Cold Box uh, HMVC Quick Tips and Tricks on Gumroad, which apparently they got some pricing changes, which is pretty interesting. But also um, the Learn CFML or Learn Modern Cold Fusion or CFML in 100 plus minutes, which is free online. Ooh, or you now can, it's um, 100 plus minutes? Yeah. And it used to just be 100 minutes, but now it's 100 plus. Wow. Yep, because we've added some more content. So uh, that is free online at modern-cfml, um, autosbooks.com, or you can go and actually get a paid version um, or a paper version if you prefer um, as well. So there's a couple of different things, uh, or different ways you can say thanks back to Autos Solutions. Some free, some paid, but they all help and they all thank Autos. So we have uh, our substantial Patreon supporters, and you want to tell us a little <laughs> bit more about them, them and what they're doing to help us? They're substantial. Yeah. I like that. Trying to come up with new Theosaurus meetings. <laughs> it's an Eric <laughs> thing that we're trying to keep going. He's not here. Oh, yes. Um, so you're talking about our goals here? Yep. Uh, our, uh, our current goal, goal number one, uh, we have 43 patrons who are providing 100% of the funding for our modernizer die podcast via our patreon site that's patreon.com slash order solutions and our second goal is we're 39 percent of the way to fully funding the hosting of forgebox.io which we provide free including binary storage and s3 for you yep and speaking of patreons we have a speech uh, a patreon sponsored job announcement from tomorrow tomorrow's guides so they're a fast-paced leader in the uk care sector catering for care seekers across three areas care homes nurseries and home care uh, and they've got a couple of roles which we'll tell you in more detail but brad's going to give you a quick uh, overview right now i am huh a senior cf developer which is uk only it is a remote position permanent and around sixty thousand pounds and then they have an automated an automation test engineer position also uk only and remote and permanent and it is around forty thousand pounds for the salary 
Yep. Cool, cool. So before we get into the news and announcements, just wanted to uh, congratulate David for living in the the most soccer champion country of the world. Um, <laughs> it says they're still celebrating. It's a national holiday today, and uh, you know, just to welcome the team home. So pretty cool for anyone watching or didn't watch. Apparently, it was actually like an interesting soccer match. So the World Cup's always a little more interesting, but it was a, a bit of a nail biter. Um, so yeah. So if you guys didn't see it. It might be a soccer game worth watching. And of course, you know who wins, but it's not a not an easy one. Okay, let's get into the news and announcements. So first up, apparently there's some real cold fusion in the news. So apparently um, <laughs> the U.S. Department of Energy said um, just, I think it was last week, that they're going to announce a major scientific breakthrough sometime this week. And I've heard all this little tweets about it, but apparently um, someone has actually achieved real cold fusion and not the language, but the energy. So <laughs> apparently they put so much energy in, they got 120% out. But um, there are a lot of people yep. tweeting about it some people hinting about it, but nothing actually officially announced. So it's anyway, I thought it was interesting I'll, that real I'll believe it when I see it, but yeah, sounds, sounds interesting. Yeah. So we always get those cold fusion blasts. Usually people are saying it's not real, never exists. And everyone's like, it's not dead. But uh, anyway, I thought you just have a bit of a laugh there. Um, well, no, no, this is just fusion, not cold fusion. Well, yeah. Anyway, they're, they're still mentioning as cold fusion because, that's that's the way they always refer to it. So if you look on Twitter under Cold Fusion, you see way more tweets about that than anything else this week. So, um, yeah. And the business I, I, I did see said, a lot of the tweets on my Cold Fusion Twitter search. Yeah. I mean, I, I always see a lot of, you know, hashtag free energy conspiracy theory nonsense, but I, I saw a ton of it the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So. so if you're semi interested, I'm posting the link, but it's okay if you want to skip over <laughs> that one. But we did actually have some Cold Fusion language <laughs> news as well. Um, you want to tell us about uh, their little page on the Adobe website, and I'll share my screen for those who are watching. Um, we're talking about the um, Meet Cold Fusion on Amazon Web Services. Yeah, they actually got some marketing on their website, which isn't hidden in a dark, deep corner of the web. So they yeah. actually have like a real page, <laughs> you know, accelerating development in the cloud. It just, it was actually nice to see something a little more marketing. You know, if you search for stuff, you might actually find Cold Fusion, AWS, but talks about, you know, some good marketing points. So I just thought that's actually a positive for Adobe. So good job on that. Um, they, you know, talk about their different offerings and everything. Um, and it was just, it was kind of nice to see something on their website, which is, you know, pretty, Pretty strong showing for Cold Fusion for once. I know that's something that they get a lot of grief for. So I thought it'd be nice to mention that, hey, they actually have some good stuff on there. Decent marketing page that isn't just product listings and, you know, download links and stuff like that. So anyways, cool. well, uh, for those of you who didn't notice, um, there's been a few blogs released lately on the Autist blog and, uh, we're into out into the box 2022 video release um, in progress. And so right now we have uh, nine days, is it? Yep, nine days we've released. So the first one was the keynotes and the Lucy videos. And then day two, we had modules, new modules that were previously unannounced uh, at the, until the conference. Day three, we had um, more module-related things like what are modules and that actually had one from Dan Card, which is unpacking the box, which was a pretty cool overview of all the crazy box modules and how they relate to, you know, command box or cold box or this or that. And that was a really good session. And then we had uh, a lot more on cold box and then command box. 
And then we had content box ones, and then we had some Vue.js Alpine CB wire stuff. And then we had modern CFML yesterday, which is you know feature flags and AOP and stuff like that. And then today we have debugging CFML applications. So lots of cool little topics, and they got two or three or four, or sometimes even five videos being released. And uh, after internal discussion, we decided to make some of them free. So there are a free video basically in each of the days. So that way, every day, everyone gets something for nothing. But if you are a paid subscriber, you get all the other great content available there too. So um, there are a lot of them. I'll just post a couple real quick in the chat, like the most recent. Actually, the last link is a bad one because I fixed it. So I'll just post yesterday's, but okay. So lots and lots of stuff there. But Brad, you want to tell us what you can tell us about the, the alpha for Cold Fusion Fortuna? Fortuna, what can I tell you? That's a good question. Um, I know that the uh, pre-release is going. I'm in it, and I haven't paid that much attention. <laughs> it seems like I never seem to get notifications from the pre-release forums. Um, so even sometimes when there is conversation, I, I don't even realize it's happening. Um, but it is out there. You can sign up for it. As far as I can tell, pretty much anyone and everyone who signs up for the pre-release is in. I think having the, the alpha be... Uh, private is more of a formality for whatever reason. Um, you you can test it on command box. The instructions are there in the pre-release form. Um, it's a secret secret way you can use that. Um, and I know that um, there's been some uh, a webinar or some kind of stuff. I don't know. Maybe you already covered that in the podcast that, that Mark did going over some of the new features. Yeah. That's, so that's I said there was stuff that I couldn't there. tell him about, but there may be a video oh. included. But yeah, so that is in the forum too. So, you know, there... I think you still can sign up for the uh, the alpha. Uh, I just shared the link in the, the chat for you guys if you want to join in. But yeah, there's a, some good stuff going on there. And remember, they're trying to release this. Um, I think they said quarter two um, or, or something like that next year. That's their goal anyway. So if you guys are running sites and you need to keep up for it, like maybe there's some... Uh, you know, some requirements you have to keep up, or if you've got, you know, software that runs on it, you may want to just start testing with it just to try and make sure that you announce any, any issues you run into it earlier than later, because they're doing a lot of work on it now and it's harder to change it later. So, uh, we will be running all the cold box stuff through there too, trying to get, you know, everything fixed before they release it. Cause the last thing we need is, you know, uh, a version to come out and everyone says nothing works and then you got to chase it down. So done that before, right, Brad? <laughs> uh, yeah, and in my first test, uh, the Coldbox MVC framework does appear to to work um, on Fortuna, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. We've had previous pre-releases where it initially worked and then it, it broke in a later update. So um, yeah. hopefully, people will actually run their their existing projects on it, so we can find any issues prior to the final release. For sure. Okay, we have a, have a couple little announcements. We got the Adventure Code, which is going on, and there are a couple of leaderboards if you guys are interested. So there's a CFML Slack leaderboard, and there's a Box Team leaderboard. So if you're uh, doing Adventure Code, you can join one of those leaderboards and see how you're doing against everybody else. Um, we also wanted to let you guys know that the CFML blog aggregator, cfblogs.org, 2.0 release was released, and that's, uh, I think, Gregory Alexander from the Galaxy blog is actually leading that one. So share my screen for you guys to see what it looks like. It's kind of nice. I actually found a couple of blogs that uh, aren't actually discussing um, Cold Fusion <laughs> anymore, so they're not showing up on the tweets or whatever, but you know, you got some ones from Ben, which we'll talk about. 
Jim Priest, which is the crumb, which I had to figure out who it was. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, some other ones, like an architect's view here, and they're talking about um, all sorts of different stuff of changing from like uh, their editors from Emacs to Atom to Proto Ripple and, and everything in VS Code. And, you know, so, but a lot of older stuff, like I said, with the blogs coming out. But there's a podcast too from Working Code and, you know, Russ Michaels talking about some PayPal scams. So be, be aware, but it's kind of nice to, to see that it's pulling in from lots of different places. So it's cool to have it back up and running. It'd be, it'd be nice to get more blogs active. I got to get mine re-put on back, back online too. After my domain occurrence, I haven't really done much. I mean, too busy with order stuff, but maybe I'll get that back and start blogging some stuff, which is, you know, useful for everybody. And then there's a couple of weeks left for the Callbox Masterclass, right, Brad? Uh, there are. It's uh, free through the end of the year. So that was Ordinance's little uh, Christmas gift to everybody was if you've been wanting to learn Callbox and didn't have the time or didn't want to pay for the class, uh, we were going to give people free access to it through 2022. Yep. And I know like when Kai was on the show a few weeks back, he said that he's had his whole group do it and they said it was really good content. And Nolan, if you've ever seen Nolan present, he's a good presenter, and he's actually the one uh, produced that most of those videos. So, um, yeah, it definitely gets high, high regard. And so if you want to look at Coldbox, uh, dive into it. It's a great way to go. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, so next up, we have new releases and updates. Um, and so if you guys didn't check it out, um, we had a Massa CMS update last week so we announced that um, there was a vulnerability so if you are running 7.3 you should update to the 7.3.1 immediately um, it can be done through the administrator or via manual update so i'm going to put both of those links in there in case you guys are running those but we also had another in case you missed it which i think you're probably the right person to talk about this command box 5.7 was released right tell us what's in there and what why we should care um there's a handful of things in there um it wasn't a massive release but um, I'm just pulling through release notes real quick uh, to make sure I, I get it all. <clears throat> uh, one of the bigger things is we just updated several uh, libraries to kind of keep up with all the different Java libraries that have um, security updates. Uh, there was there was no uh, exploitable things that I'm aware of in Command Box, but just some of the libraries we we include, uh, which involves Lucy, also Undertow, had some security updates of their own. Um, so uh, new version of GeoBoss Undertow was updated to Lucy 5.3.10 which had just come out. And then we added a couple little commands, uh, like an artifacts prune command. They'll get rid of old artifacts. Uh, sometimes you wind up with like, you know, gigs of old artifacts you don't use. So command box tracks um, how recently you use those now. Um, the uh, upgrade command, in theory, uh, we'll test it the next time I release an update. Uh, but the upgrade command should finally be able to do in-place upgrades of command box, which includes updates to the jar files without forcing you to download a new box.exe yourself and manually do it. So um, we'll, we'll test that uh, on the next update. And then uh, the ever cool feature is you can use PFX files for your SSL certs. I've always kind of wanted that. I, I found a lot of Windows people use those with IIS. A PX file is actually more of a, it's actually a store. That's kind of the, the private keys and the public keys and stuff all in there in one big file. Hmm. Um, so Command Box now supports that if you're using SSL as opposed to having the, the separate uh, cert files for the public and private key, which is just a bit more of a pain. So that's the release. And uh, like I said, it um, has a has a handful of, of bug fixes. You can see there in the release notes, yeah. things that uh, that we tightened up. So 
Thanks to all of the community uh, contributions in this release as well. Yeah, I was just scrolling through on my screen here to show everybody, and there there were quite a lot of bug fixes. So not a big update, but still a pretty substantial one. And cool to see all those updates going into it. And I am eager to see about the upgrade command for sure. So we'll see how that works. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's always a little hard to test something like that. And unfortunately, if it does still have any bugs in it, it'll... I won't be we won't be able to use it until the next time because you're always you know one release behind on on a command that auto updates. But anyway, yeah, is a. But I like your approach to it though. Time. So, just always the thing was like you know file locking and you know using the jazz inside of it. It's it's a smart idea on how you've <clears> approached <throat> it. So, we'll see how that works. And then we also had the command box Docker three point six point three images release, which obviously they they usually come out right after you release a major version or sorry any decent version of command box, um, any minor version or major version, but, um, they also announced the 3.6.3 command box image. And obviously they did upgrade the binary, but, um, they also talked about the new, uh, distro builds for red hat, the universal base image. Do you have any more information on this? I donn't know a lot about it, but it sounds interesting. thought maybe you could tell us a little um, more. I don't think I do. You're talking about the, uh, the UB Docker images. Yeah. The universal base image stuff that Red Hat put out the UB nine. Yeah. I'll be honest. I didn't even see that. I saw that, uh, John had updated the images, um, primarily for the new command box release, but I have no idea. I'm curious mm. if that was part of some of the, the government work that John's been working on. Uh, Possibly. we have a lot of government clients at Ordis and <clears throat> they have to go through just hoops galore for every piece of software they use, um, which includes, you know, command box and uh, Lucy or Adobe Confusion. And so uh, Ordis has been a part of getting uh, several different pieces of software sort of officially added to these internal government lists, which can take quite a bit of work to do. But once you get the software on the list, that opens up the door for all sorts of other government agencies to be able to use that. So yeah. command box has been on the DADMS list. No clue what that stands for, but it's used used by the Department of Defense for different projects. It's been on that list for uh, for years. And I know that um, John Clauston has been working very hard to get our Docker images certified for another software list called like Iron Bank or something. I don't know if, if you're not government, you don't really care about it. But if you are in government, you've probably heard of it and you've had to deal with it. Um, and so they, you know, were running, running a whole suite of security scans against everything in the Docker container to show all the vulnerabilities, which is what led to a bunch of um, updates in Lucy, just old versions of Java libraries that were coming up in these scans. And uh, Lucy 5.3.10 had a ton of uh, those little library updates, which was part of why we updated command box, so John could update the Docker images. And then Lucy 5.4 should have pretty much the rest of those vulnerabilities all taken care of. So all this kind of stuff has been working together, these Lucy releases and command box releases. Um, and John Clauston, who helps us uh, orchestrate our Docker images, has kind of been helping push that driven by these scans and things they've been doing to get um, all the stuff approved for government. So it's pretty exciting. Um, and I mean, it's just good. It's good for the product to actually get a fire lit under people's seats to, <laughs> to update all these libraries because um, yeah. uh, I, I was I was very pleased with how quickly Lucy jumped on a bunch of these and already had a bunch of them done ready for the next release. Um, yeah, uh, we did we, cover we, that when they they announced the release. You know, that yeah, was a big big thing about it. So John put in a similar ticket for Adobe. I don't know if you can publicly view it or not because they do weird things and they hide tickets. Uh, but when when they ran the scans on Adobe Cold Fusion servers, there was 
a startling number of also outdated Java libraries as well there. So hopefully um, Adobe will be addressing those soon as well. Just to get yeah. stuff current. It's I believe Mott confirmed that any security related ticket gets hidden by default um, just in case there's information in there which may be exploitable or whatnot. <laughs> so it is in the system. Mark did get the, the report, but yeah, we cannot publicly see them. And uh, that's why. So John did confirm with Mark about that. So, All right. so yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'm gonna have to do some reading on universal base images. Cause yeah, I was wondering if you knew anything about it, but it seems, seems like no. a cool idea, but I'm going to have to learn more because I feel stupid not knowing, <laughs> but we can't know everything I know, but you know, Something for me to, to read when I'm sitting around the Christmas tree with everybody else playing on their phones. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So next up, we have webinars, meetups, and workshops, and we have um, a cute couple things in here. Um, so we have been sharing this uh, link for the Autis calendar. If you add that uh, the Autis event calendar to your Google Calendar, you better see all the events as they come up. And we try and add more details into the events as we get closer, like who's doing what. Um, but basically, our Autis Fridays are back in full effect in 2023. I almost messed up typing that date several times. It's going to take me a while, but I'll get there. But um, so we have the Autis office hours coming up on January 6th. So that's Daniel Garcia and a couple of Autusians. And then you can basically show up to the meeting and ask a couple of questions and they'll try and get to the bottom of it for you. And and if they can't answer it, they'll go hunt down the right Autusian to help figure that out and get that answer for you. We also have the Software Craftsmanship Book Club on January 13th, so the second Friday of the month. So we did chapter one and two. We're going to jump to chapter three. And then uh, depending on how quickly we move, we might go into you know four as well. Just keep moving through that clean code book from Robert Martin or Uncle Bob. And so far, it's been a, an interesting conversation. And all those videos are up on CFCast. And then we have the Autist webinar, January 20th. And then Coding with the Kiwi will be back the fourth Friday, January 27th. So lots of them coming up there. So pretty cool. And then somebody missed something last week, Brad. I don't know. Did they miss something? Yeah, there's a Docker community, all hands, uh, the winter edition. Winter edition. Sounds cold. Yep. Uh, I must have missed it because I'll be honest, I didn't even know it was there uh, outside of reading it just now in these show notes. Looks like it was the seventh uh, community, all hands, a quarterly online event that brings the Docker community together. Wow. Global meetup featured community news, company product updates, demos, and language specific sessions. Did you uh, did you watch it? I watched a bit of one session, but you know it's so busy with client work and everything else, and upcoming holidays. So I'm going to go back and try and watch some more of it. So I did share the link in the show notes for anyone who did miss it. Um, but yeah, they have have them. It's kind of like a Mickey. <laughs> Mickey, a mini DockerCon type setup, just a few sessions, you know, DockerCon's a huge event, but it's, it's kind of cool that they do that and get more of the community member and community members involved. And it's, it sounds really neat. So a lot of great content if you're looking for more Docker content. So I was wondering if they had anything on those universal base images. So I might go check that out. Okay, and then of course we do have the Audis. Sorry, not the Audis. The uh, the Adobe stuff. We're going to actually talk about that in the conference section since the online CF Summit stuff is basically a conference. So there is that coming up your way as well. Okay. Next up, we have some CFCast content, and then uh, we've got 
lots of those ITB videos coming out. So if you haven't, uh, haven't seen them all yet, there's a lot of great content and we got just a few more days left in the 12 days of Christmas, obviously leading up towards Christmas here. So by the end of it, you'll actually have all the ITB videos available up on the website. And we do have the software craftsmanship book club. So we got clean code chapter two and chapter one is up there as well. And then obviously the cold box masterclass, which is free right now. So go take that as well. And then we've got some of our forge box modules and VS code hint tip and tricks of the week. But, uh, I thought I'll let you tell us about the coming soon videos. Cause it sounds like you've been recording some too. I have been, uh, we have a bunch of stuff coming soon. We've got more forge box and VS code snippet videos. Talked about Boxifying third-party libraries from you, uh, the Coldbox Elixir videos from Eric, some getting started with content box videos from Daniel, and I spent the last week recording a whole slew of command box screencasts. I Ooh. was I have like a, a running spreadsheet of you know screencasts I've wanted to make, and I pulled it up the other day to add some items to it, and I was I was mortified to see that it, it had been two years since I had last actually like recorded and published. A screencast i was like oh that's just terrible um and i added a whole bunch of new items so now my list was twice as long so i finally sat down and recorded probably 10 or 15 uh screencasts and i even have a handful more so those will start trickling out soon onto uh cfcast as well and they covered pretty much all the kind of what's new sort of stuff all the way back to command box uh five uh so there's Very all cool. sorts of fun things and it's incredibly time consuming to go through and set up little demos for every single one of them uh and i've already found like two bugs while i was doing it because it's amazing when you sit down and you just like go through and test everything about a feature again to do a demo when you're like oh man that doesn't quite work right does it um so it's been uh it's been productive in a couple of ways but those should be uh trickling out uh somewhat soon cool well yeah, looking forward to those uh, i know you, you're always knocking out so much stuff it's kind of crazy so that's a, a good way to keep up with it is watching your video so i'm looking forward to them myself Okay, conferences and training. Uh, first up, um, going on right now, and uh, you presented yours just recently, the CF Summit Online. Actually, yeah, you did. Yep. So CF Summit Online, Adobe Cold Fusion CF Summit 2022. If you weren't there in Vegas to watch them, or you maybe missed some sessions because there were a lot of sessions going on at once, they're all being streamed uh, online for your convenience. And we got one coming up um, this week. And um, like I said, you already presented yours, right? So I think I Daniel did. Yeah, my my Rabbit MQ session I presented um, online for Adobe. Yep. So Luis, myself, and Daniel Garcia still have to present ours, but uh, I think Daniel's already got his scheduled for January. I'll probably be in there too. Yeah, lots of stuff going on right now. But you want to tell us about uh, this week's session? Um, talking about Mark's session, the native mobile apps. Correct. Uh, well, it's called Native Mobile Apps with Monaco, I.O., and Adobe Cold Fusion 2021. So it says, have you always wanted to build native mobile apps? It sounds like an infomercial. <laughs> have you always wanted to build native mobile apps but didn't want to learn Swift or Objective-C? Monaco I.O. uses the power of Apache Cordoba. Uh, so, yeah, sounds pretty cool. Um, I haven't done anything with mobile apps since I did the blog series on CF Mobile or CF Client, whatever the crap they called it. Um, uh, for that contest they had years ago. Um, yeah. That sounds pretty cool. Um, basic JavaScript knowledge. In this talk, Mark will build an Adobe Cold Fusion 21 powered back end using MySQL exposed as an API, which is consumed by a native mobile app written and built with Monaco.io ecosystem. Sounds pretty fun. And it sounds uh, a lot more smarter than 
Adobe's previous uh, attempts at, at CF client, um, which is uh, just letting Full Fusion be the back end and using the proper front end. I'm not really familiar with uh, with Monaco or Monaco. I don't know how you pronounce it. Monaco, you, you, I think, yeah. It's... Have you used it? No, I watched part of a session before we had to clean up at the end of the, the conference. Um, and it looked like it was basically built on PhoneGap. It's been out since 2015. So okay. I haven't yeah, heard of it. I'm kind of surprised that it's been around for seven years before I heard of it. Yeah, so. the website says cross-platform hybrid mobile app development platform with tools in the crowd. Uh, you use HTML, hybrid mobile apps. Yeah, development with, with Apache Cordova. So. Yeah, so it's it's actually like an online thing. So you have the online editor. So it's kind of interesting. I'm I'm not sure if they've done much to update it since, but it's, I'm I'm curious about it for sure. You know, like I said, I've got my my favorite horse in the race. Um, but I'm always curious to see what other people are doing and how they're using it and what they could offer. Okay, so next up we have um some view conference, a view JS Nation. So that's going to be happening. Um, the 25th and 26th. And so let me see if I can share my screen again. The last time I did this, uh, Adobe site just spun and spun and spun. So we'll see. Aha, this one's working. Well, it's just, so, this isn't Adobe site. <laughs> yeah. So this is VJS Nation conference. It's online, live, 25th and 26th. And you might recognize a couple of these faces here. Um, and so it's, it's powered by viewschool.io, which is a pretty cool um, view learning um, software suite. And they've got some pretty big speakers. Um, I actually know quite a few of these, or I don't know, uh, know them, but I know of them. Um, but yeah, so if you guys are looking for some view content, starting up right in January, going to be the first uh, conference that we're going to have in the new year. That'll be 25th and 26th, and you can register at viewnation.com. So we got another view one coming up right after that. It seems like view's getting pretty big, Brad. Uh, it would seem that way, but you also make sure you cover everything that happens in the view universe here. <laughs> well, there's also, <laughs> yeah, there's Vue.js Amsterdam 2023. Yep. So if anyone's in the Europe area or want to travel, um, 9th and 10th, February, 2023. And the got... view returns back in person. Yep. And then we got a uh, dev nexus. So, uh, how many times have you been to dev nexus before? I don't know. We've, we've been to all of them for the past four or five years at least very cool so i'm still waiting to see uh which of the oldest people who submitted topics actually got picked for this year do you know when they usually announce that i'm kind of curious i don't i don't know when so if one of us is so lucky uh april 4th through 6th in atlanta and then um yeah it looks like a, a pretty good one and again it's it seems to be one of those uh, ones where they're doing the early bird special still. And I know you said there's just tons and tons of content here, right? At this conference. Um, how many tracks yeah. do you say? There's like a bazillion tracks, right? Usually they have between like 11 and 13 tracks. So like over 10 simultaneous um, sessions going on. So it's, uh, they usually have around like 2000 attendees um, and just hundreds of sessions. So it's, it's a pretty busy uh, thing. I'm looking down to see if they've uh, announced any or if this is last year's list. There's a lot of people here already, if this is this year's. Um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. They could, these may already be for this year. Yep. So, it's kind of annoying sometimes when you, you're looking at a conference site and you can't quite tell if they've updated it for the next year or if it still has the previous year's uh, 
data. Yeah, but you see some of the things here. So frameworks, Jakarta, the platform, practices and other tech. So that's kind of interesting. Um, observing Minecraft. A lot of security and tools and techniques. Web and front end. So some Vue.js and all different things here. So very cool. Looks uh, looks like a fun one. Hopefully we can, well, hopefully I can make it out there sometime. Obviously you've been there a few times. So if you guys are looking for some more Vue stuff, we've got Vue.js Live as well. And that one's going to be in London. And that's going to be May 12th and the 15th. So the 12th is live, the 15th is a repeat with some online content there. And they have uh, a couple of different options for you. You can go look at the early bird tickets, but you can also watch 2021's recording. So that's pretty neat. And then next up, last, well, not completely last, but I guess a big thing for us, End of the Box 2023, the 10th edition. So you want to give us the details, Brad? It what? is slated to happen on May 17th through 19th. So moving back to May in 2023. So that's really only like six months <laughs> from crazy. day. Um, so it'll be held in the Woodlands near Houston, Texas. And uh, we're going to have pre-conference hands-on trainings as well, uh, like we normally do on the 17th. Uh, we're going to have our live mariachi band and uh, basically back to our spring schedule. So this will be our 10-year anniversary of Into the Box, which is pretty crazy. Because I remember when Luis first said he wanted to do our own conference, and we, we did it as a kind of like a pre-conference to see if objective, I think. Yep. And I thought, you're crazy, Luis. What yeah, are you or, thinking? Or when he put it, <laughs> when we took it to Texas, you know, on its own, that was a, a big step. Yeah, that was, that that was, was actually the... much, much more scary, to be honest. Yeah, when we, when we broke Into the Box out. Though, honestly, I think is one of the best things we did because we unhooked ourselves from the CF objective train right before it ran off Derailed. the rails and, <laughs> and never happened again. So actually yeah. really glad we uh, we did that. Because yeah, I went to CF objective, then dev objective, and then that's it. So, yeah, well, um, again, if you are looking to go to the conference, a great way to go to the conference is to actually be a speaker. So call for papers closes at midnight on December 30th. We'd love to have you submit your talks today. So fill out the Google form, let us know some of your ideas uh, and what you might want to present. And we're, like I said, we're always looking for new people to present. And, you know, it's nice to see our, our products and services used in ways we may not have thought of. And I know you get a kick out of it when people do command box sessions, so you don't have to, but it also shows up some different ways they're using it that you might not have thought about, or, you know, just explain it a different way. You know, like we love to hear Brad talk, but sometimes other people are worth listening to too. Do you really? <laughs> well, all the people here must actually, we didn't tell them that you're going to be on. So maybe we just <laughs> ambush yeah, them with that. <laughs> I only showed up because I thought it was going to be you. Yeah, that's not the case, I'm sure. But uh, so CF Camp is back, uh, June 22 to 23 in um, June. That's going to be in the Marriott Motel. Oh, sorry, Hotel Munich Airport in Freising. And the call for speakers is coming in the new year. Um, that's, and that's the same hotel it was at in the previous years, right? Yes, it was. Yep. Okay. So they said it's you know in okay. Freising. It's not actually at the airport, but it's close-ish to the airport. I mean, it's like 10, 15 minutes. It's just a short little Uber ride. Cool. So yeah, I, I really like pricing. It's it's a really cute little town. I mean, you can walk five ten minutes away, and there's a bunch of restaurants, little, uh, you know, um, what do you call it, plaza area. Um, I mean, I, I like Municon as well there at the airport, but pricing is a more of a cozy little town feel, in my opinion. 
That's cool. And the hotel has a really nice restaurant that's built into it. So, yep, that's great when that happens. I really liked the one into the box this year too. The hotel, the restaurant was really nice, and we got to hang out with people after the the talk. And so I can imagine if they have a good good one there at that hotel makes it even nicer yeah i mean it really is nice when you have a conference in a location where you can go grab a bite to eat at like 11 o'clock at night <laughs> and a lot yep. of a lot of times you find yourself in a place where like there's like just nowhere to go get food or hang out and so that's definitely makes it a little easier to hang out and see if camp always has people you know hanging out as well as you know the box at, in the evenings talking about stuff yep very cool okay next up blogs tweets and videos of the week and so this one here we'll let you start off with brad so we'll talk about ben adel's little blog post and this is a pretty interesting one um because uh well i mean pagination uh, it seems like it's, it's a common problem for a lot of people using languages when they get too much data right people uh, yeah i didn't actually it. see this post to ben's but it looks like he's just talking about the limit and the offset functionality of my sql uh, which is pretty handy. I mean, I've used it a lot before. Basically, limit is kind of like your top keyword in, in SQL Server. Uh, and then offset says, you know, I want to start at this row. So it's basically perfect for pagination when you're, you know, five pages in, 10 rows per page. Um, yep. And yeah, the interesting thing is I know that in some of the other database um you know, engines, it's not as easy to do this type of thing. And so I know Eric works really hard with, you know, QB to make that really easy for you. And there's actually a paginate function, which you just give it um, the page number and the number per page, and it will do the work for you. Um, but Yeah, having done this manually in, in SQL Server for years with just like temp tables and nonsense, I remember the first time years ago when I saw my SQL's offset and limit stuff, and I was like, what? That's like super easy. Why, why the heck doesn't SQL Server have crap like this? I don't know. Maybe the newer versions do, but yeah. this was like, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, whatever, when I first saw this. And... Yeah. So I thought that was a, a pretty interesting one because that's something I, I can't imagine living without these days. And, you know, working an API set up with most uh, JavaScript frameworks, you know, they always seem back and forth for each page. Um, but yeah, one of the if you're not doing that and you're just doing local data pagination, just remember if you got, you know, a lot of records, you're bringing all that data down and then you're doing all the work on the front end. It's just going to slow down things a lot. So pagination is really cool. And again, limit and offset in MySQL make it really easy. There are ways to do it in other engines, but it's not so easy sometimes. And if you guys are looking at different databases, QB is great for this. I really do like, you know, there's so many cool things that Eric's built in and, it doesn't matter what grammar you're using. You just pick the grammar and it figures out how to do it. So I really get a kick out of that. So uh, highly recommend that one if you guys are looking for pagination or your database maybe doesn't do it the way you think you should. Next up, so the crumb. The crumb is Jim Priest. I figured that out today. Um, but he's got one here about counting lines of code with clock. And I never heard of this before. Have you heard of that one, Brad? Yeah, I think I've heard of it before. Um remember the last time I ever came across it. Um, I'm a little surprised that he says that it supports cold fusion. I, I honestly wasn't aware of any uh, line of code counters um, that really supported cold fusion. I mean, like if you use the, the test box code coverage with fusion reactor, mm -hmm. um, we'll count lines of code in the context of code coverage. Um, but I didn't actually know there were any tools you could just 
kind of point at a, at a folder. Now, I mean, you can just count the number of lines in a file, but it's, yeah. it's one thing to do that. It's never thing to actually say this is white space, this is a comment, this is HTML mixed in with Cold Fusion. That's um, what I thought was pretty cool because, yeah, I've done the lines of code thing, but again, if you're like Ben Nadell, he loves his spacing in his comments. <laughs> Doesn't mean you've written that much code, right? I mean, comments are code, but so this is kind of cool that it can break things down like this. Be interesting to see how well it works. Yeah. So, like, you know, does it does it sniff out a CF script tag? Does it sniff out actual CF tags embedded with HTML? Kind of curious about that. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was kind of cool, and it's something I'd never heard of before, and I might have to play with that or at least read a little bit more into it because, yeah, I like the fact that it it might actually support ColdFusion. So, I'm surprised nobody ever built built the command to do that in command box. There's a oh. handful of little utility commands built in the command box, like normalizing into lines and into files and indentations and removing trailing spaces. There's stuff like that built in the command box, but nobody's ever, they were all contributed by some people in the community. Um, no one's ever done anything for, for trying to count lines of code. But like I said, without kind of custom parsing the code, I don't know how else you would do it. Because, um, yeah. you know, the way like the, you know, fusion reactor powered, uh, code coverage and test box works is that it's actually instrumenting the bytecode. And so, you know, based on the internal map in the, in the class file that says these lines of source code actually map to, you know, executable bytecode, that's the only way that, that we're able to track that. So anyway. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, of course he put it in there in his blog post saying, you know, some managers care about that type of thing. And that made me think like, I wonder, do you have any experience where people cared about lines of code? Do you have any CI stuff that, you know, counts lines of code, lines of comments, et cetera? Yeah, I cause... never have. I mean, I think data is cool just because of my personality, but I've never had a boss that was like, Brad, how many lines of code is in our app? I don't know, like nobody's ever said that to me. I'm yeah. sure uh, somewhere maybe somebody has, but it's. Yeah. And Adam's saying no, just no. And that's, that's what I'm thinking too. But I'm like this, there's always somebody, right? So I'm always like some people that like, Every time you make a commit, compares the lines of code. So wait, you took two weeks and you did you remove three <laughs> lines of code? Like what the hell? But you I know. mean, it, like I said, it's interesting. <laughs> I love data. I don't know why I would necessarily care outside of yeah. I mean, like like Adam said, other than just having like a metric that gives you a basic idea of how big a code base is. But I mean, you could tell me how many how many CFCs you had, and I could have a basic idea of how big the code base was if I was to make some you know assumptions about. The average size of your CFCs. But. Well, so if you're talking about clean code, you'd have a good idea. And if you're talking about legacy or normal people's <laughs> code, you'd have a better idea. Yeah, 3,000 like, lines per, per function. 3,000, that's it? <laughs> I mean, no, that's per function. So each CFC oh, has 50 functions. Function, so, you know, every CFC is 150,000 lines of code. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> but yeah. Well, you want to yeah. give us a quick rundown of the day eight of the into the box Christmas release. Yeah. So, uh, day eight video, um, from into the box had, uh, five sessions on modern CFML concepts, uh, including one from using Java from your CFML apps, aspect oriented programming or AOP, uh, web components, feature flags and cues and CFML with rabbit. Yeah. So five pretty cool videos there. We also had a um, release, or I'm not even sure if it's a release or not, um, CB wire form validation. So this is something that um, developers have to deal with all the time. And CB wire is really developing to a pretty cool set of uh, 
tools. Uh, I really like what Grant's doing here, and his example app is really neat. If you want to play with it, go check it out. But this time he's uh, talking about CB validation and how you can use it for a powerful form validation. Um, it's kind of neat the way CBOI works, handles all the back and forward for you. You don't have to write any JavaScript to get this type of, uh, you know, validation. And it's surprisingly slim how much, you know, you actually need to put into your, your CFCs to get CBOI to work. Um, so all this here will get this set up. So highly re recommend checking this out. Um, I'm going to be working with Grant, hopefully, in the Coding with the Kiwi series, starting in the new year, about building some stuff with CBWire, comparing it to some of the other JavaScript API stuff that we've done recently. So I'm excited to, to give it a whirl. Okay, so next up, Brad, you want to tell us about Ben's, um, Ben's using select... So insert into select to duplicate uh, yeah, rows. I'm looking at it right now for the first time. Somehow I missed all of Ben's um, uh, blogs this last week. Maybe it's been hard with the, all that confusion. Uh, yeah, noise. all the confusion stuff filling up Twitter, right? It, um, it's been pretty bad, to be honest. Yes, yeah, so he's talking about a syntax, insert into select, which I don't know what I'm familiar with, but I'm curious, this is my SQL he's talking about, is this the same as select into like you would do in SQL Server? Possibly. I mean, it's just an insert into, and then you just do a subquery to actually select what you want to put in it. So, you know, you insert into, give the columns, or if you don't give them any columns, it's going to assume all the columns, and then you just do a Oh, so, all right, so this isn't quite the same, then. This is actually inserted into a real table. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, because, like, uh, what I'm used to doing, though I suppose you can probably do it with a real table. I always do it with temp tables. What, what I was thinking of in SQL Server is you can create, like, a temp table on the on the fly where mm -hmm. you just have a oh, yeah. select at the bottom you just put into in the name of a table and it just creates a temp table with all the right columns and dumps the data in it uh which saves you the trouble of having to declare the table and then do an insert uh yeah. though in this case he's inserted into an existing table um yep so basically if there's like a category of items per se you know that list item is the the list essentially you can just insert it again give it a primary key it just duplicates all the values so maybe there's like a, a template of stuff that each record or set of records must have it just allows you to kind of insert them all and it'll just create the primary key for you automatically and then all the other fields are, are duplicate so wait what's what's automatically creating the primary key though? well it's probably uh if you look up here at the database, it's a unsigned order increment integer ID. So when you insert it, and if you don't include that column, the database will just create it, right? So if uh, you're inserting... I misunderstand an example. I assumed that he was still explicitly creating his to-do item table, and then all he was doing was just inserting into it. He is. So he's reading from the same to-do item for a same list. And so he's basically... You know, inserting a copy of all the items for a particular list. So, like I, said, okay. I can think um, of this. I as guess like, this is a lot less interesting than I thought. I mean, this just looks like just a normal everyday insert where you have a select. Which I mean, yeah, it's just a duplication true. method. You know, it's an easy way to to copy in. Um, so, okay, I guess. I mean, yeah, I guess you can you can say in SQL you can say insert into table columns, and then you can have below it any select you want. I mean, you could select out static uh you know values if you wanted to or you can have a select from a table I yeah and that's where just... i've done i've done more of the you know okay i want all these but i'm going to reset these values um type thing but uh yeah yeah i mean i guess yeah like scott said this is something that i i've used in sql for like a long time um i thought he was doing something a bit more clever with it i mean not that it's not cool it's just 
this to me is just a regular everyday this is an insert yep it's an insert <laughs> i mean yeah. the, the the thing he's doing with it is sort of ancillary um i mean irrespective of what table you're selecting from or into the basic concept that you can insert into a table and you can have a select that powers that insert is just kind of like a thing sql does um so yeah that's a thing i guess that sql does yeah well, his next one's a little more interesting. <laughs> Adam maybe. wants to know if I've done it with Tag Islands. I don't know. It's possible. <laughs> so uh, the next one is breaking up an IPv4 range into CIDRs. This sounds like something that uh, James Moberg's probably done before, um, yeah. but using Lucy to break it up. And it all started because he got a malicious actor in Australia uh, hitting his blog. And uh, he was talking about Kyle uh -oh. Flair's WAF. Sending a lazy eye to everyone around here from Australia. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was kind of interesting uh, that, you know, he used the WAF rules and, you know, he basically said he learned about how IPs work because it wasn't the way he thought it was. And so he explored uh, that here. And I've done I, I've stuff with masks and everything, always, but I always use a tool. Yeah, I've always been a little confused by the CIDR ranges. I mean, I understand what they do, basically. But if you showed me one and you were like, which IP addresses does this affect? They were like, geez, I don't know. Go to one of the 80 websites out there where you paste it in and it shows you because... I always get confused on just exactly how it works, even though I like, I get the concept. Um, so this yeah. is, I've never done it with cold fusion. I, like you said, I've always just used a tool online. Um, yep. And so it was interesting to, to walk through the, the steps here. And again, I'm probably gonna have to read it a couple more times because I always got confused with this stuff as well, but it's, it is pretty common. Again, I just use a task, you know, like a, a online tool to do it. But so his steps up from 0.3 to 0.72, breaking the range into tight CIDR ranges. So 32 contains just that. The 0.430 contains those next four. The 0.8, see the, uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm curious how this works because it's still gibberish to me. So I'm gonna have to do some reading here. Yeah, at Ordis we use Cloudflare for our DNS as a proxy, and it has it has some really nice, easy rules. You can give it a range of IP addresses you want to, you want to block. Um, you just have to be careful, though, because we've totally blocked, like, kind of wide ranges in the past, only to find, you know, like a year later, some poor soul over in, like, the UK who can't use ForgeBox, and we finally figure out his IP address and look, and it was in some broad range of IPs that Luis blocked, like, a year and a half earlier because one ip had spam and so we just blocked the whole like you know subset which included a whole bunch of like legitimate users so um yeah and that's what i thought too like most wafs have the provider you know they have the starting ending ips and i thought cloudflare did too but that's who ben was using so maybe the cidr is the you know the simple the more simple tool but if you change it you could probably get to another option but uh, yeah, I've... yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that Cloudflare didn't allow us to block more specifically. I'm. I'm saying that we were just kind of lazily like, all right, we're blocking everybody in that entire you know range. Yeah. Well, Which... in all fairness, that's why David Bellinger doesn't get our emails because uh, the the service we use just decided that he's in a in an unsafe place, or maybe his provider thinks that we're unsafe. I don't know. Well, <laughs> if you're from like Russia or like a couple other countries, I think we just outright block all access to Forgebox. Um. Which I don't particularly care for, even though there's a lot of like hacking stuff that comes from there. Because yeah, Cloudflare has features where you can just choose an entire country, and it just straight up blocks those countries. Um, yeah. But I've actually looked on our Cloudflare rules, and I've seen requests coming from Russian IPs that are look like totally legitimate, like requests to just install like Lucy. 
from Forgebox. And I'm like, ew, I feel kind of bad. There's probably like some dude in Russia apparently legitimately trying to use Command Box. I don't know, but he can't because yeah. we just blocked the whole country outright. But well, anyway, Zoom tries um, to automatically block a lot of countries, but yeah. I, I think it blocks way too much by default. I mean, no. yeah. Th that's sort of a separate conversation, which is, you know, how do you decide <laughs> how broadly to block? Because the security people are always like, block everyone. You know, it's the most secure. Uh, which is great <laughs> until you have people that are like, hey, I can't use your service. You suck. Yeah, um, exactly. So. And most people don't spend the time to chase you down to to let you know, especially if they can't look up your information because you're blocking that too. <laughs> so. yeah. I'd fill out your form if I could access your website, you jerks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, this is pretty cool, though. Uh, I actually like this little tool because, like I said, I've never seen anything uh, implemented in Cold Fusion that, uh, that did this. Yeah. No, it's... it's like I said, it's interesting. I like to, I don't like not understanding some stuff, even if it's just top level, you know? So I'll have to look through and try to understand it a little more, <laughs> but cool. And then we had another, uh, into the box, uh, 12 days of Christmas. So day seven, we had some, some interesting things. So we had CB wire, Vue.js and Alpine JS. And then what do we have on day six, Brad? On day six, uh, we had Content Box, it looks like. Uh, three sessions related to Content Box, getting started with Content Box 101, and headless CMS, and then deploying to the cloud. Cool, cool. And then uh, up after that, we had uh, the Working Code podcast. So episode 105, I haven't listened to this one yet, and they called it No If It December. So like No Shave no <laughs> November. <laughs> they got No If It December. <laughs> Um, that's time of the year where they gather around the mics and talk about whatever the heck comes to mind. So they've done uh, two years on the podcast now and the holidays. Um, so sounds interesting. Um, but yeah, she's, she's talking about like Carol's talking about maybe using hackathons to improve community outreach and, um, yeah. So it sounds like a, a good one. I'll have to catch that one up. I've actually had a couple of weeks where I haven't listened to too many podcasts. So I've got to play the catch up game. But uh, if you guys are interested, they, they do talk about non-CFML stuff. It's more just code in general and working and, and different stuff, but they do touch on it as well. And then we have one more day of Into the Box uh, videos from 12 Days of Christmas, and that's your favorite stuff, right, Brad? Come on, Box. It is. It looks like it's basically two of my sessions and then uh, Abram Adams' session. So. Um, and I was stuck in the other room, so I need to watch those ones. Uh, uh, well, I mean, you probably know most of them, but yeah, so I had a command box hidden gems or hidden gems as Gert would say, uh, as well as, uh, the top modules. So basically just a bunch of cool command box features that I assume everybody knows, but sometimes people talk about them and a bunch of people are like, oh, wow, we didn't know about that. Um, so cover that one also securing and tuning command box servers for production, which actually we get quite a few questions about that. And command box is now it's secure by default as we can make it and has all sorts of uh, security profiles and things that are kind of like easy button security. Um, and then of course, uh, Abram Adams had an entire session of writing command line utilities with command box, which I thought was a really cool session. Yep. Very, very cool. Okay. So next up, let's talk about jobs. So CFML jobs, uh, you can get CFML jobs on getcfmljobs.com and they're listing 37 cold fusion positions, I think in the last five months. Uh, so a lot of cool stuff there. You want to tell us about the, the two new opportunities they've got? I think they're both the same company. I'm not sure if they're separate roles or not though. Um, are these be. the ones that we, 
talked about no actually this is for different companies both of these say full-time cold fusion developer at remote united kingdom yep the marcus donald people is the company um is it the same posting twice it looks a little different it might be one of those ones where it scraped from indeed and they posted actually marcus donald people cold fusion 11 update 19 is the current production environment that takes a big man to admit that uh, five plus years CF experience could understand in a front end language. I, I certainly hope that the goal is to be upgrading that. Um, if if I was applying for a job, I would have some I would have some tough questions for just how quickly they were looking at. Uh, oh, they're desiring someone with Lucy uh, 5.3 experience, so maybe that's mm-hmm. the direction they're moving in. Uh, cool. Migrating their Cold Fusion 11 to Lucy 3. I'm just guessing. Just yep. guessing there. And this other one says um, fully remote, no office requirement. Wow, there you go. Um. Yep. So, I, like I said, they may be the similar positions. Sometimes it grabs them differently. If yeah. This, this also postings. lists Lucy experience um, as desirables. Uh, they're also looking for someone uh, knowledgeable in cold space fusions. So, if you're a, a physicist into low energy nuclear reactions, you've been following that science science news. I think they're looking for you. Oh wait, no, never mind. Their HR person just doesn't know how to spell cold fusion. My bad. <laughs> But we also do have those uh, Patreon-sponsored job announcements from Tomorrow's Guide. So as we mentioned before, they're a fast-paced leader in the UK sector, um, catering for care seekers across three areas, home care, sorry, care homes, nurseries, and home care. Um, they have a, a pretty decent product team, 20 individuals across the UK working remotely to expand and improve their offering, uh, and they're trying to build up and expand their team year on year. They work with Cold Fusion 2021, Node.js, and React in the Azure cloud, and they use MS SQL and MongoDB currently. Uh, they're, so they're looking for a couple of positions, a senior Cold Fusion developer and automation testers, and they have some pretty cool bonuses, which we'll tell you in a minute. But want to tell us about those roles a little bit? Um, yeah, so these are the two that we mentioned at the beginning. Uh, yes. They have a senior Cold Fusion developer, and they have an automation test engineer role. Both of these are UK only and permanent remote positions. So uh, in both cases, they're looking for a minimum of three years experience in cold fusion or automated testing, respectively. Um, and then uh, for yeah. the cold fusion position, they'd like you to know about database design, normalization, uh, SQL Server, and familiarity with Git. Yep. Um, for the testing role, they would like you to be uh, experienced with automated testing tools such as Selenium and API testing tools such as Postman. Yep, and Fiddler too, which I'd never heard of before. I've heard of a couple other ones. Oh but. yeah, Fiddler. I used to use Fiddler all the time, and I I never hear about it anymore. I, it, hmm. to be honest, I used Fiddler back before browsers had like really good like just built-in debuggers, and oh. it just acted as as a basic HTTP proxy for the most part, and it hmm. would show you the your request and the response, and you could drill down. Um, I mean, it, it worked pretty good. Yes, <laughs> Fiddler's stuck on the roof, as uh, David said. Um, <laughs> it was pretty handy when when HTTPS started to become more popular, mm-hmm. um, Fiddler became much less useful because unless you set it up as a, as a middleman thing, in, you know, decrypting SSL certs, it wasn't able to do anything with HTTPS traffic. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I used to use Fiddler all the time, but I haven't, I haven't touched it in years. I didn't know it was still really out there. Yeah. Anyway, back to the job. So benefits of both roles, they have the 4,000 per annum discretionary company bonus scheme. They got the 25 days annual leave plus bank holidays, 6% per employer pension contribution, access to free perks through Perkbox, which is not one of our tools, just so you know. Yeah, that sounds like that should be an order tool. 
Yep, and they got long service awards, so they got a cycling to work scheme for when you do go into the office, and they have company and team nights out, which is pretty cool. So that sounds like a, a pretty good place to work, and thanks again for sponsoring as a Patreon, and we, hopefully we can help you find the right people. And there are other job links as well. Um, you can obviously get on the Slack channel, the CFML Slack channel, and the Box Slack team now have uh, you know, job channels, but there's also auto solutions we're always looking so on about dash us slash careers you can go apply for a u.s position and i know that luis is going to be you know doing more in the europe area i know they're already doing conferences and sponsoring and and now salvador everything is going really great including the itb latam so you were there what do you think of it was it a good turnout this year yeah itb latam was awesome um i got sick the night after the conference and felt kind of miserable the rest of the time i was in el salvador um so i don't know what it is about el salvador it has my number though it kicks me in the butt both times i've been there um but yeah it was it was fantastic down there the, the weather was great um we were at capacity we had to turn off registrations um had a ton wow. of uh of students who came of course we had a, a really great competitive you know ticket price for students there had people that came on a bus from two hours away uh, the conference and okay. it was standing room only in the the keynote and a bunch of the sessions so uh we basically did side by side uh workshops and sessions so in one room we had a session going on in another room we had these like kind of two hour hands-on workshops uh not a lot of people bring laptops to conferences uh there in el salvador so the the workshops were kind of hit and miss but people were still in there you know like t taking notes on paper and stuff but uh it was fantastic i um kind of to set my own little bubble listening to Spanish all day long that I really barely understood. Uh, but I did my presentation in English and they laughed at my jokes. So they were picking up enough of what I was saying. And uh, it was a, it was, a, it was a really a great, a great conference down there in San Salvador. Um, Very we cool. had like 140 people or something. Dang, uh, that is a big number. That's good. So it's yeah, growing we every at, year. We were in like a Hyatt, regency hotel or something uh anyway it was like a really nice hotel um did all the catering and all the music and everything so very cool okay so next up we have forgebox module of the week and uh this week we're going to be talking about a new one that just popped up on forgebox and maybe pretty simple one but sometimes the simple ones are the good ones and so this one i thought was cool because you can actually use it from curl and it didn't seem like you need to get a um you know sign up for a license to use it like a lot of the other apis out there but this is ip iffy so the ip iffy api was, module i thought it was ipify yeah maybe i don't know i'm just like making it up so ipify or ipify or no, I think it's IPFI. yeah so if, if luis created this i'm guessing that's what he what he intended well, that's actually the, the domain name, so that's why he's probably named oh, it, it that. But yes, <laughs> but this module allows you to tap into the the IPFI API, so IPFI.org. It's a simple public IP address API to get the address um, where you made the call from. So a lot of times, if you're running on you know cloud and you got all these different um, you know servers, you're popping up on different nodes. You have different IPs. Uh, this allows you just to basically get your external IP, your public IP address. So that way you could use it in either configuration or whatnot you need. And it's kind of cool if you do go to the website, they give you a little curl script that you can run and it's pretty easy. So, um, yeah, I mean, so it's... Do they give you any geolocation data or is it just uh, just your IP address? They may have more in it. Um, to be honest, I didn't look too much detail into it. 
Um, you know, I'll look up like my public IP address just by if you just type what's my IP into Google, Google will just tell you at the top. Oh of yeah, the top. I mean, I but use I've, I use IP Chicken because it's really easy to remember. <laughs> yeah, I can't say I've ever like needed to get it from uh, from a programmatic standpoint. Um, yeah, I like it. I was like, why didn't why didn't I think of building this API? It would literally just be a, a cold fusion page that just returns CGI dot remote address or whatever. <laughs> So they do have an IP geolocation API, which is probably where they make their their costs. You see, so there's cost per credit on this one. So you have one's a gateway drug to get you okay. in there. Okay. Yeah. So that that makes sense that geolocation is a paid feature that they that they offer. Yep. So, but for those who want to check it out, like I said, simple, but it works right. And sometimes you need that. And like I said, with the whole Docker stuff now, you may need it more because you're you're not sure what host you're on or or whatnot. Um, well, so. I'll tell you what Docker host you're on. It's AB213947Y, obviously. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Anyone who has used Docker Swarm, you, you know what that pain is when your host names are all randomly generated characters that mean nothing. Yep. But uh, there's a module for that, too, that I built. So you spit it out in your header so you know which one's spitting back the files to you. So Love it. Okay, so VS Code hint, tip and trick of the week. This is actually like a combination one, and it sounds like it's pretty new for your scope, but I'll it's let a, you talk about it. A one, two. Yeah, I literally heard about this like this morning on Slack. People were talking about it, and I was like, what is this? I've never heard of it. And they're like, yeah, it's like kind of like brand new. So um, Software Cobbler, a.k.a. Uh, David Rogers? David Rogers, yeah. yep. Um, he's, he's made a bunch of kind of cool stuff, and he has a project that he's been using uh, are working on called Lucy Debug, which is basically a, a step debugger, from my understanding, for Lucy. I haven't even had a chance to, to play with it. Um, we were talking about it. Somebody uh, pinged me um, in uh, in Slack asking about... I think it was Jamie Jackson that pinged you, right? Um, actually, I actually think it was Zach Spitzer who pinged me. But Jamie oh. was part of the conversation and said that he's uh, been using it a ton. He just showed it to his whole team, and they've already got everybody set up with it. But basically, it has two parts. Uh, from my understanding, uh, reading through the docs this morning, there's a Java agent that you add with a JVM arg, kind of like you add like Fusion Reactor as a JVM arg. Um, and we were talking about how it'd be pretty easy to build a command box module to uh, to do that. Um, and then uh, there's a VS Code extension then that you install that connects to it and basically you know can start up a debugger to be able to kind of step debug your code. Uh, it's loosely specific as far as I know, but Sounds like a pretty cool project. I know that there's never really been um, a lot of options when it comes to step debugging in ColdFusion. Uh, there's been there has been the the Fusion Debug library, which was kind of a general purpose debugger that the Fusion Reactor guys worked on, but that that library has kind of been uh, left alone. And then there's the uh, production debugger or whatever they call it that's now built into. Um, some of the versions of Fusion Reactor, but that is a web-based debugger where you have to, you know, go to their web-based UI. It's not like a general-purpose debugger you can use in VS Code. So um, this claims to be just more of a general-purpose debugger you're using right there in VS Code. Doesn't require any uh, special web-based access. So um, yeah, it's very. It cool. Sounds like it's pretty cool. From what I've heard, it does not work alongside Fusion Reactor. They probably they the Java agent can. You know, do you only have one, or do you just set well, them up differently? Uh, the, Jamie linked to a message in Slack uh, where David Rogers was explaining um, his first take on why it didn't work, and there's some some debugging things inside the JVM that I guess only one library can use at a time. Oh. And so when they both try to use it, the last one to try fails. So 
Anyway, uh, that's just something to keep in mind. Uh, looks like you'd have to probably turn off Fusion Reactor to use it. But if you're not using Fusion Reactor, and you wouldn't really care. Either way, it seems like a pretty darn cool community project for some people to help get behind. Um, because uh, that's a, a pretty sweet feature that, to be honest, the Lucy Core team would probably never have the the time to work on. So, yeah. No, I mean, it's really cool. Like I said, I've, I've talked to David before about a few different things, and he's, he's doing some really cool stuff, um, you know, trying to build some extra tools around Cold Fusion. It's, and it's hard because Cold Fusion is so dynamic. A lot of things make it difficult, but uh, he's got some really cool ideas. And, um, yeah, so really cool to see it, and hopefully um, some more people can maybe sort of, you know, pitch in and, and help a little bit and try and get it to a point where maybe it has a, a forge box extension you know like a module to install to make it easier to, to run and set up and i think a lot more people would uh give it a whirl in so but if you want to have a look at it uh, the links are there in the show notes and yeah so check it out and good stuff okay so last but not least let's thank all of our patreon supporters so these individuals uh you know personally supporting us on our open source initiatives uh, we couldn't do it without them, and they are supporting the tools that we build, like Command Box and Forge Box and Cold Box and Test Box and lots of other boxes, not Perk Box or Box.com, but um, a lot of boxes out there. And basically, they're helping to support our cloud infrastructure, which powers Forge Box, uh, so we can do cool package management things with Command Box. And they can support us if you guys want to join the list. I know a lot of people in the chat are already on our Patreon list, and we thank you. But there's a other people can go to patreon.com slash order solutions and again end of the year some businesses you know trying to write off their uh, expenses so if you pay now you can save 10 percent of the year as a patreon um, so that's a good option and what are some of the perks that they get from being patreon supporters are you asking me yes just you <laughs> um if you are a bronze patreon supporter and up uh you get a Forgebox pro and a cf cast subscription as a perk all Patreon supporters have a profile badge in the community website. Let's everyone know how cool you are. Um, all Patreon supporters also have their own private forum access on our community website. Uh, you can have insider conversations with us. And all Patreon supporters also have their own private channel access in the box team Slack. Um, and then you also get live stream access to streams like coding with the Kiwi and friends uh, and the order software craftsmanship book club. Yep. So we try to give our, our patrons a little extra perks. Um, obviously, uh, we're really appreciative of them, and we couldn't do a lot of the work we're doing without them. So, um, again, if you want to find out more and just get involved in the community, the community.autosolutions.com is a great place to go if you're not already on our box team Slack as well. So we've got lots of Patreons. Uh, the last couple of times we're going to be reading everyone's name because they're getting too many, but we're going to break it up. So I'm going to do the first few, Brad, and then I'll let you finish it off. So we want to thank all our Patreons. So thank you, John Wilson from Synaptrix, Tomorrow's Guides, Jordan Clark, Gary Knight, Mario Rodriguez, Giancarlo Gomez, David Bellinger, Dan Card, Jeffrey McGee from Sunstar Media, Dean Monder, Nolan Irk, Ville de Bruin, and Abdul Rahim. You want to give us the rest? Also, Don Bellamy, Joseph Lamory, Jonathan Pret, Jan Yannick, Laxma Tiradotti, Brian, uh, I always want to say his name wrong, Gidinelli, jeez, uh, from Haggerty Motorsports, I think I get it right after all these years, Harold Von Stetten, Jeremy Adams, Didier Lesnicki, Matthew Clemente, Scott 
Steinbeck from Agri Tracking Systems, Daniel Garcia, Ben Nadell, Richard Herbert, Brett DeLine, Kai Koenig, <gasps> Shirley Earhart, Jason Diger, Sean Oden, Ross Phillips, Matthew Darby, Edgardo Cabezas, Patrick Flynn, Stephanie Monkey, Kevin Wright, <clears throat> John Wish, Peter Amiri, Kevin Vanis, John Nessim, and Tia. Yep. What an amazing list of, oh, wait, wait, what's the adjective? Of substantial. Support. Substantial. What a list it's a sub of substantial supporters. Yep, they're definitely doing a lot of great work. So thanks, everybody. Hope everyone has a good Christmas or holiday period, whatever you're celebrating. Uh, all the best <laughs> to you and your family. And we'll have uh, one more episode, I think, next week. So check us out for the, the pre-New Year's, and then we'll tell you what we might be seeing coming up in 2023. But thanks, everybody. Uh, have a great one. Thanks, Brad, for joining me. See you guys. Have a good one. Bye, everybody. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.